chapter three of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. transition by emma francis brooke chapter three the meeting between father and daughter next morning was constrained there was no quarrel between the two of course but the rector was cruelly conscious of having inflicted a blow and honora's feeling of perplexity and injury was too deep for her to be able to keep all trace of it out of her manner besides she had passed an almost sleepless night to one thing she had made up her mind and that was to defer action until the arrival of mr littleton on whose assistance she counted and to avoid reference to the conversation of the evening before inaction seemed to her the most probable way of preventing a precipitation of matters when breakfast was finished and the rector glad that the discomforting meal was over had drawn back his chair and taken up the paper honora came hesitatingly forward and stood before him father said she he looked up his eyes were tender and even had a faint revival of expectation in them the kingdom of god was nearer to him than anything else and he believed in miracles in honora's cheek was a noticeable colour you remember that mr littleton is coming shortly said she littleton coming ah yes said he quickly you said began honora slowly and shyly last night at supper you know father you said we might have late dinner while mr littleton is here certainly my dear certainly he replied she thanked him and turned away he followed the graceful undulating figure with his eyes which were very wistful while he pondered over that sad experience when the disparity of sex is felt not as an attraction or particular tenderness but as sheer separation there was nothing special for honora to do that morning and a ramble in the open air seemed the only relief possible to her state of mind it was not easy to study greek myths with an avalanche hanging over her she longed to be walking vigorously over the hills and by sheer activity to shake off some of the discomposure that was so new and hateful to her the morning favoured her it had rained in the night and the air was fresh and clear and the sun not too hot honora turned unconsciously into the very path her father had taken six years ago on his fateful visit to piers norbury it lay over a bare stretch of woodland glorified by heather only here and there and for the most part covered with a thin colourless hair-like grass the road was rough and bare on either side were broken walls of blackish stone unsoftened by the tracing of lichen or the soft colours of moss here and there dotted amongst the hills were bare-looking cottages substantially built of stone and having a long upper chamber of which the windows for the most part were closed by masonry 
honora knew all about it those had been the weavers cottages when the weaving of cotton cloth was a home industry and the long rooms were for the hand looms the windows had been closed up to escape the window tax when the industry began to fade some of the old weavers lingered still within her father's parish men who now earned their living in fashions more precarious than other parishioners and who were not unsuspected of poaching they were in honora's mind at least of a somewhat riotous reputation as having been concerned in the chartism of the forties from another point of view they lent she thought some distinction to the place as being of historical interest until last night she had classed them with other archaeological reminiscences of the neighbourhood with the reputed passage of the pretender and his army along this very road a tradition which she was fond of saying in her accurate manner was not quite authenticated but the lumbering of the pretender's train over the rugged way and the enthusiasm of the chartists had hitherto appeared to her as events of about equal interest and importance both being historically as dead as last year's leaves upon reaching the highest point of the hill she paused out of breath and leaned against the wall a red weasel in shy frightened hurry darted across the road and vanished through an aperture in the stones when that tiny rustle was over the stillness was complete even the birds flew too high to break it with the sound of their wings though their shadows flitted across the sunlit road continually honora relieved by the exercise and with the glow of it upon her permitted her mind to run backwards over the memory of all her triumphs and achievements thereby she gathered encouragement for when had she proved inadequate to the moment what had occurred was harassing enough but hers was the habit the accumulated force of the victor she must take up that force now and shake off the sense of emergency and not dream of herself as baffled her superb health helped her already the cheerful blood coursed through her veins her eyes shone and her animal spirits were exhilarated she took back the sense of a power for conquest and the feeling of completeness within herself and her self-sufficiency broke from her in a spoken resolve whatever happens to me she said and what may not happen if this is going to happen whatever happens to me i resolve that i will never be beaten down wherever i am whatever i am i will live up to my present standard and will never fall below it i will not be poverty-stricken mean and small she drew her breath sharply and shut her mouth tightly afterwards her sense of individuality and her egoism included the need to produce striking effects the word poverty had an ugly sound 
her father had not glorified it to her she thought of a christian of the early church especially one of the fathers as an emaciated and probably uncleanly fanatic and she had no taste that way honora was a really gloriously healthy girl of the nineteenth century her two well-shaped feet were planted firmly on our mother earth and she had the tastes and orderly ideas naturally belonging to her sex her eyes dropping by chance wandered over her gown she was very well dressed in a becoming costume exceedingly well made i will not dress under my standard nothing shall ever reduce me to shabbiness said she with a quite passionate accent leslie will save me she added and the last words were uttered with conviction and a softened look she is not the first woman whose earliest softening towards a man has originated in the idea that he may save her from contact with unpleasant realities just then a slow laborious tread up the hill attracted her an old man was approaching a man with white hair and beard who helped his steps by a stick she glanced at him with no special interest but when he saw the dainty figure leaning against the wall he paused and looked at her with long leisurely admiration a fine day and a fine view said he yes it is beautiful said honora opening her mouth very prettily with a smile to utter the words showers o rain last neat and in the mornin's sunshine he passed his hand with an almost loving movement along the landscape with eyes following the same direction it was a brown work-worn muscular hand and it lay tremulously against the distance as he still outstretched it the blue light showing between the fingers he had wonderful eyes their look was at once absent and penetrating the look of one who has been much alone with his own concentrated thought when they rested upon any special face it was almost impossible to avoid fancying that the piercing depth of their look was the outcome of personal scrutiny rather than an habitual characteristic they're lonesome said he in a quiet wistful tone very lonely said honora looking at the hills he indicated but grand grand enow but see he took up a position against the wall near to honora leaned a little towards her raised his stick and tremulously pointed to a particular slope of one of the hills opposite lonesome is it he asked again that dark steep bend of the hill where the coal pits have been it is very lonely she answered i near the shaggy bit of a wood where to crows are settling now there well you'll maybe think it a bit lonesome lass to my old eyes it's full o folk there's always a stream o folk moiling up yon hillside or they're standing same as to crows now or more like huddled sheep together in the shadow of the woods why are they there he looked at her suddenly still pointing the stick honora drew back a little 
i don't know i don't understand said she there there with faces and voices uplifted to heaven and they are crying together for mercy against the oppressor what do you mean said honora feeling a little alarmed in spite of the great age of the man i mind it he went on the same as though it were yesterday but i'm old two score a years and more i've been on this hillside and i was old when i came wife and children have passed from me forty and eight years have i wandered in this wilderness of the earth since i a man over forty with hunger gnawing me body and soul climbed yon hill to listen and to pray we the rest i wife and children have passed but the voices are with me day and neat day and neat what voices said honora you're young you're young said the old fellow leniently or you'd mind me see lass this body o' mine has felt starvation and these eyes has seen it and these ears ha' heard the cry on't and the like o that one forgets never folkses used to come there a neats the same as nicodemus came to his lord and they had torches in their hands and they spoke to the lord of their hunger and their trouble the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof yet some o his children starved while others waxed wanton so they spake to the lord in their trouble and he added in a voice slow and deep with conviction and he heard them honora was silent her heart began to beat ay he heard them repeated the man in a raised voice and with a sudden access of energy he judged the cause of the poor and the needy the spark kindled then is a flame still and naught can smother it who are you asked honora in a low voice the peasant turned his leisurely piercing look upon her piers norbury chartist and weaver i have woven many a cut and seen a queer bit o life in my time and i've tasted many a bitter drop folkses wouldna have took it so ill could they have hanged me in my youth i have had a price set on my head piers norbury repeated honora pale and startled piers looked at her with the same lenient leisurely look as before but the piercing light of his eyes had softened before her brilliant womanhood so they call me said he but you yosel will be no stranger here lass no said honora i am miss kemble the rector's daughter a good man yon a good man better than likely and i mind you ever since you were a little lass indeed said honora every vein running hot with indignation he looked at her now with a very evident personal scrutiny it's in my mind he said that it might be a wonderful thing if the ministers o god and the women would waken out of sleep in one accord it's in my mind he repeated how once we hoped something from a lass a gradely young thing same as yosel set our hearts and hopes upon her 
what lass asked honora coldly why to queen victoria she was young then and we writ her i was a young mon myself we writ her a bit of an address addressed to the queen from the workmen's association they callin it she was just crowned to nation were half mad wi joy i couldn't but think it would a ha touched her we younger chaps thought a deal of a lass coming to rule over us lasses by all that's said are tenderer in their hearts than men happen it may be so but naught come of that address that i ever heard tell on maybe we were too far off and her mind lasses i reckon are giddy things at times her mind was just taken up wi' her crown and her fine sceptre and her throne maybe it'll be the same wi' other lasses still maybe they don't think they don't see honora's gloved hand clenched itself in angry silence this man who has influenced my father thought she is an ignorant fellow and it burned with shame in her heart that it should be so love it it was continued norbury that writ to main part of that address a fine mon was lovett a fine mon now i never knew lovett my son no but many a time have i longed to look in his eyes and grasp his hand and listen to his words you'll mind lovett no said honora shortly she was in effect deplorably ignorant of the history of her own century but she took it for granted that the man referred to was insignificant and disreputable well he's dead and gone now likely before you were born i thought you'd maybe have read of him ay he's dead and he saw the end of his faith and hope no more than moses did it's still to come it's still to come his eyes flashed and widened with some overwhelming idea in the force of an indomitable faith his whole face strengthened and was lifted out of its age she was conscious that he was pausing for her reply her sympathetic concession of course in his mind she was simply her father's daughter but a suffocating anger was all the feeling of her heart and her lips remained rigidly closed this silence was an act of courage for she was a little frightened of the man otherwise she would have walked away well said he turning away from her irresponsive face to look again at the landscape eighty and eight years have i wandered in this wilderness of a world and hope and waiting have comforted me thy rod and thy staff eighty and eight years have i waited for i knew want and blows and hard work when i was a little toddlin thing of four i was four when the burden o work first became heavy and i first cried out and found none to answer i'm asking still not for myself my foot's in the grave and expectation died long ago but for them that now carry hunger in mind and body i've waited and i'm waiting still 
he raised his hand and took off his cap and stood motionless the fine rugged face with the memorable and prophetic eyes turned still upon the hills he had forgotten honora and she had no inclination to remind him of her presence she remained silent the light of indignation in her eyes and the colour of it in her cheek presently he replaced his hat took his stick again and made preparations to move on as he did so he directed one more glance of piercing scrutiny towards her ay he said i'm waiting still till the man arises or the woman comes to the throne that will fulfil the promise of the lord to his people sorrow and sighing shall flee away End of chapter 3